Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 649. So what's climate change doing to birds? We'll get some idea about that in a moment, but we're trying not to bury the lead, which is this. The United Nations is reporting an alarming rise in carbon dioxide levels worldwide. The UN agency known as the World Meteorological Organization says that the last time carbon dioxide concentrations in the atmosphere were this high was three to five million years ago. And they're warning that temperatures could continue to spike, hitting perilous levels by 2100, unless world leaders take drastic action. We'll stay tuned to see what action may be taken when a major international climate summit, known as COP23, starts next week in Bonn, Germany. Meanwhile, here in our Talking Birds home state of Massachusetts, Mass Audubon has released its latest report summarizing the challenges birds face as the climate changes. Their third State of the Birds report that forecasts changes in climate and sea level from a warming atmosphere includes these predictions, among others. Average air temperature will be warmer throughout the year. More precipitation will fall as rain rather than snow. Large precipitation events will become more common. Sea level will continue to rise an additional one to six feet by 2100. Oceans will become more acidic as carbon dioxide dissolves into the sea. And the shifting climate will change the fundamental way ecosystems work. And what does that all mean for birds? Mass Audubon projections estimate that 43% of the breeding species they evaluated are highly vulnerable to climate change, will be by the year 2050, with 70% of the salt marsh nesting species, 56% of coastal nesting species, and 49% of the forest breeding species classified as highly vulnerable. Even the black-capped chickadee, the state bird of Massachusetts and Maine, is listed as highly vulnerable. That one's already confused, singing a spring song. If there's any good news in all this, it may be that for 34 species, if climate is the only factor considered, projected climate changes contribute to stable or increasing populations by 2050, with some species enjoying expanding areas of suitable climate. Many of these are urban and suburban nesters, including eastern kingbird, American robin, ruby-throated hummingbird, blue jay, great blue heron, and orchard oriole. And what might save us from all these nasty carbon dioxide-induced climate change-related problems? A vacuum cleaner? Well, not just any vacuum cleaner. A Swiss company called Climeworks 
has just opened the world's first commercial-scale direct air capture facility. Kind of a giant vacuum cleaner. Outside Zurich, Global Thermostat from New York City is following right behind with a research operation now running and its own commercial plant scheduled to open in Huntsville, Alabama in 2018. A Climeworks project in Iceland is pumping carbon dioxide 2,000 feet underground into a layer of volcanic rock with which it reacts to form carbonate material. That keeps the carbon locked in place and out of the atmosphere potentially for millions of years. Global Thermostat CEO Graciela Chichelniski estimates that it could cost $1 trillion to $2 trillion to get such a project off the ground. But that may be a small price to pay compared to the likely costs of climate disruption if we don't do things like firing up those giant vacuum cleaners. Well, we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to more Talking Birds ambassadors. I guess it's just two thank yous right now to Grace D. from Boston, Massachusetts, and Dan L. from Wichita Falls, Texas. And they are both joining our Ambassadors program. Thank you so much, Grace, and thank you, Dan. And Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our Talking Birds Ambassadors program. Just hand out some of the cards that we'll send you to your friends and neighbors and spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. It's easy to do, easy to sign up for. Just click on the Contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Ambassador option. That's the Become an Ambassador option via the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. <laughs> that would be our mystery bird. This is a little preview of our mystery bird contest. A couple of clues. Our mystery bird is a large, ground-dwelling, chicken-like bird of the <laughs> desert southwest. It feeds on snakes and scorpions and any other small animal it can get a hold of. Our bird has a long tail and a shaggy crest and a call like you just heard there. Maybe we could uh, hear it again. There. There it that would be our mystery bird. What do you think it is? We'll have our mystery bird contest in action a little bit later on in the show. That's a little preview. Well, we'd like to welcome back a wonderful supporter of Talking Birds today, and that is Audubon Park Wild Bird Food. The folks at Audubon Park have been making the safest, highest quality food for backyard wildlife since 1982. They're family-owned. It's American-made, food safety certified, and offering many selections perfect for your backyard feeding, including Cardinal Supreme, No-Mess Patio Blend, Multibird with Fruits and Nuts, High Energy Suet, and many more. Look for Audubon Park next time you're buying food for your backyard birds. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment. Mike will answer that question, where have all the birds gone? Uh, he has an answer for you. Also this morning, we'll offer another beautiful Droll Yankees bird feeder as our mystery bird contest prize and a special bonus prize thanks to our friends from Audubon Park. Bird seed to put into that feeder in the form of a big five-pound bag of Audubon Park no-waste premium wild bird food. And up next here, it's our Talking Birds featured feathered friend. 
Today's featured feathered friend is one of the most beautiful ducks in North America. It rivals the canvasback for a look of graceful elegance. In fact, one of its nicknames is the Greyhound of the Air. It's the Northern Pintail. The male sports a chocolate brown head, white neck and underparts, with white extending in a thin line up the back of the neck. The black tail end is bordered by a yellowish tan patch. Its sides and upper back are gray, and the lower back feathers are black with pale edges. And at the rear of the wing, the speculum is bronzy greenish with a black band. Yes, that's all on one bird. Both the male and the duller female feature those very long and distinctive central tail feathers that give the bird its name. Those are the wheezy calls and whistles of the northern pintail male, and in this case, the buzz-off sounds of a female. The northern pintail nests through much of Canada and Alaska and the north-central U.S., and winters in most of the lower half of the lower 48, and along the east coast well up into New England. Our bird feeds on grain, seeds, weeds, aquatic insects, crustaceans, and snails, and like the mallard, breeds in many different habitats. The northern pintail is not only beautiful, it's also tough, as demonstrated by the fact that it's among the earliest nesting ducks in North America, getting busy at that shortly after ice out in many northern areas. The Greyhound of the Air, Anas Akuta, the northern pintail. Today's Talkin' Birds featured Feathered Friend. Our featured Feathered Friend segment is presented by Birdwatching Magazine for more than a quarter century. Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Thanks for being with us. It's our show, number 649. As always, we invite you to visit our website. We think you might like it, talkinbirds.com. No G in talking, and please do follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We have some pretty good things there, we think, as well, at Talkin' Birds. Nick Lund is the birdist. The birdist. You can find him at audubon.org and on his website, thebirdist.com. And he is about to join us from down there in Washington, D.C., here this morning. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Ray. How you doing? I'm doing well. I know you're, you're not doing as well as you hoped. You thought you'd be on the road searching for the elusive common green shank this morning, right? I'm not doing well. I'm sitting at home in my <laughs> dumb apartment. I, I had already chased this green shank on the coast of New Jersey last Sunday. Remember that big storm last Sunday when it was raining all yes, day? indeed. I drove all the way through that, coming home from a wedding, did a big detour for this dumb green shank, and couldn't even, could barely even see out the windows of the car, let alone, you know, identify a green shank in the, in the, in the seabirds out there, in the, in the shorebirds. So I was going to try again this weekend, but uh, it appears that bird is gone. Disappeared. Um, mm. Disappeared, and now it's raining again in D.C., so I can't even go out in D.C. I'm just, what? I'm doing all right. All right. I, I'm glad I'm talking to you, Ray. Well, we're lucky that you even, you know, agreed to do it under the circumstances. <laughs> <I know. laughs> the common <laughs> green shank, by the road. way, that, that's kind of like, a, what, a European equivalent of a leg, uh, yellow legs, right? A greater yellow legs? Yeah, it, it looks uh, quite a bit like a greater yellow legs. Um, I've been so I've been told, and I've never seen one. <laughs> um, 
but it's a little light, a little lighter colored, a little stockier, uh, uh, you know, greenish legs instead of the yellow legs, clearly. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess I'll never know. Well, we're tackling today, uh, Nick, a lot, another of your birdist rules of birding. This is uh, number 87, how to coexist with a non-birding spouse. I know That's some folks right. who are, are birders, Nick, and whose spouses are not. And you know about this even on kind of an up-close and uh, personal level, right? I live it every day, right? <laughs> I do it every day. You know, I, it's most birders. I know very few birders uh, who are married or dating another birder. I mean, it's pretty rare, right? Mm. And so I, I think... Uh, it's it's important for us birders to figure out how we can keep our spouses happy, mm. uh, but also you know not give up a single bird, see as many birds as as possible. Um, my beautiful wife Liz is uh, she, you know I'd say that she's bird tolerant. Um, <laughs> she uh, comes with me. She enjoys the outdoors, um, but she's you know not interested in separating green shakes from yellow legs, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you got to cope, right? You got to figure out figure out ways to do it. Got to deal with it. Well, you have some good solutions there. One is what? Go somewhere great is one of your bullet points here. Yeah. So this this column stems from a trip that Liz and I took to Australia. Um, wonderful vacation in Australia. Um, you know, and, and a day to day around here, I can go birding and come back, and you know, she'll be around. But when you're on a trip for two weeks. And, you know, there's all kinds of birds around. You really got to figure out a balance of, of how you want to do it and how you can keep her happy but see all the birds. And so, yeah, it starts, I think, with just picking a good place. And a little um, pretending is involved, too. Pretend it's not just about the birds. Yeah. You know, <laughs> say, hey, over here, there's a beautiful sunset or there's this really cool uh, rock formation. Mm. I'm just going to poke around the bushes really quick for the bird I also know is here, but you mm. check that out. So you got to sort of uh, spice it up and try to, um, you know, uh, not, pre- yeah, pretend, I guess. Pretend yeah. that you're not just going for the birds. And you might actually be looking at a bird while you're telling her the look at, you're looking at the sunset. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, what, oh, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes <laughs> to see the bird and, and keep them happy is, is what you got to do. All right, another solution you have, Nick. Stay in their comfort zone. Their meaning, meaning your spouse, I, I take it. Yeah, so this one is about sort of crossing the line. I mean, there are areas, there are times that I've, um, you know, pushed it with Liz and gone somewhere to find a bird that is really not a non-birding activity at all. We were in Australia, and we drove to the, you know, I I said, let's go to the top of this remote mountain in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, you know, it was up, there was no cell service. You know, in Australia, there are things that can kill you, you know, everywhere. And uh, that was over the line. And so you should stay in your in the, the non-birding person's comfort zone a little bit to make sure they have a good time. Yeah, and you were talking about how you have to be flexible here. So uh, I think your fourth uh, bullet point is uh, learn to be okay without seeing everything. So you know you might be slowed down a little bit, but you've got to kind of be okay with that. Yeah, you know, you're going to have to leave a few birds on the table a little bit <laughs> once in a while. Uh, and that's, that's just the nature of it. That's, you know, relationships are about a compromise, and a compromise sometimes maybe means not seeing the birds, all the birds that you want to. But at the end of the day, if you have a happy spouse, then it's all worth it. What about trying to convert your spouse to be a birder? Have you tried that or... Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course. It hasn't it, worked. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, that's number one. That's the first step. Okay. Give it a shot to try to pull them over. But, uh, <laughs> but you know how it is. Some people just, for whatever reason, can't take to it. But yeah. absolutely, I should have put that up front first. <laughs> try to convert. Well, a lot, of birders, work, 
a lot of birders yeah. too have uh, you know of non-birders have hobbies of their own so you might have to kind of be flexible in the other direction kind of oh yeah you know i'm watching all kinds of you know tlc and uh you know doing all the stuff that she likes to do that's where the relationships are you you got to compromise on both sides um and so you know but as a birder you don't want to compromise yourself out of too much and so it's worth trying to figure out some strategies to uh to get the middle ground and there are some of them right there. Nick Lund is the birdist. Find all of his birdist's rules of birding uh, at audubon.org, A-U-D-U-B-O-N, audubon.org, and find him on his own website, thebirdist.com. Thanks, Nick. Uh, we'll wrap this up so you can go and spend some quality time with your beautiful <laughs> wife, Liz. I will do that right now. Thank you, Ray. All right. Nick Lund here, the birdist on Talking Birds in our Mystery Bird Contest is coming along here in just one minute. Did you know that the coffee you drink can help save the birds we love? Tropical forest is disappearing. Big agriculture is replacing family farms with eco-desert sun coffee plantations. You can help by drinking Birds and Beans Coffee, the only brand in the U.S. that uses only shade-grown, organic, fair-trade, certified bird-friendly beans. Great for birds and farmers and for the earth we all share. And now Birds and Beans announces its holiday gift box, perfect for your coffee-loving friends. 12 12-ounce bags of great-tasting Birds and Beans Coffee, two bags each of wood thrush breakfast roast, American Red Start Light Roast, Scarlet Tanager French Roast, Chestnut Sided Warbler Medium Roast, Baltimore Oriole French Roast Decaf, and the newest roast, King Bird Espresso. All ground and ready to brew, or whole bean if you like, and all for $120, a savings of more than $40. Shipping still only $9.50, any volume anywhere in the U.S. This offer ends soon, so order online now at birdsandbeans.com. That's birdsandbeans.com. Talking Birds is made possible in part by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, a world leader in the study, appreciation, and conservation of birds. Please check them out at birds.cornell.edu. That's birds.cornell.edu. Not hearing our Sunday morning show live. We're here Sunday morning live, 9.30 to 10 Eastern. Well, you can hear our show live online any place on the planet with an Internet connection. Just go to talkingbirds.com to find out how to do it. And you're eligible for the Mystery Bird Contest prizes if you haven't won here on our show in the last six months. So prizes uh, today includes a Droll Yankees bottoms-up finch feeder. Not very hospitable for house sparrows, which have difficulty hanging by their feet, but great for other birds that you'd love to see at your feeder, like goldfinches and chickadees and nuthatches. And we have a bonus prize this morning, thanks to our friends at Audubon Park Wild Bird Food. It's a big five-pound bag of Audubon Park no-waste wild bird food. The hulls are removed to keep your feeding area clean. That's kind of a cool thing for a lot of people. Fresh lock technology seals in the freshness and flavor, even without those uh, hulls on there. And it even comes in a space-saving resealable stand-up pouch that stores easily. So there you go. Beautiful prize and bonus prize as well on our Mystery Bird Contest. Here is the phone number to call. We urge you to call as soon as you can. Take your guess or tell us the answer. 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Here's the sound of our Mystery Bird. <laughs> kind of sounds like a chicken, at least that first part not really related to a chicken. It's actually a member of the cuckoo family. 
It's a large ground-dwelling chicken-like bird of the desert southwest. It feeds on snakes and scorpions and any other small animal it can get a hold of. Our bird has a long tail and a shaggy crest and a call like this. Kind of the barking female and the cooing male. Yeah. Interesting. Little reverse role reversal in a way there. Anyway, that's our mystery bird, 781-837-4900. What is it? Tell us or take your guess, because no correct answer means a drawing. We'll determine our winner, and we're determined always to have a winner. 781-837-4900 is the number. Let's Ask Mike Live with Mike O'Connor is up here in just one minute. Now a word from our friends at Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Want some tips on backyard birding? Birdwatching Magazine has published a handy booklet that's yours to download for free. The 16-page guide includes practical field-tested answers to your most important questions about the birds in your backyard, from food to birdhouses, from those cute hummingbirds to those troublemaking birds. Go to birdwatchingdaily.com to get your backyard Q&A booklet. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year illegally. Poaching is a major threat to our country's wildlife. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor with a desire to preserve living space for wildlife. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust does just that. Works with private landowners to protect wildlife, to preserve natural habitats. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. Down to Cape Cod, where the rains have stopped. Wait, that can't be right. It never rains on Cape Cod. Let me check that as we check in with Mike O'Connor at the Birdwatcher's General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Good morning, Mike. I think it's morning, right? I have no idea what time it is anymore. Yeah, it's you and I both got uh, messed up by the old uh, daylight saving time ending this morning, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should, be, we should uh, be able to... It only happens every year. We should be ready for it, but we... I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't figure it out, but I'm okay. I've, I've recovered. All right, good to know. We got a note here from uh, Jack, uh, who lives near a National Wildlife Refuge right here, right here in uh, the, uh, the south shore of Massachusetts. He wants to know where all the goldfinches uh, have gone. And, Mike, I found a pretty good answer to that in the form of one of your newspaper columns from what? some years ago. And you gave the whole explanation about goldfinches and uh, what, why they're maybe not around as much as they used to be. I don't know if you want to recap that a little, but you have lots of folks coming into your store wondering where all the birds have gone all of a sudden, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, well first, to Jack, yeah. yeah. Um, um, basically, goldfinches change color this time of year. So if you're familiar with that bright yellow that we all like goldfinches to have, that's going to that's be gone for a few months until yeah. next spring. So uh, perhaps that's what this problem is. The other problem is right now we're, a lot of people aren't getting birds. Uh, uh, there's a lot of natural food around, an abundance of natural food, and that kind of runs in cycles. And this year seems to be a boon for natural mm. seeds and insects for the birds to eat. And also it's been extremely warm, and when it's warm, the birds don't need as much food because to, to spend the night in that cold, frigid weather, they have to pack, pack on the calories, and they haven't mm. needed to do that. And what's interesting is we always think birds are dependent on our feeders 
we, everybody seemed to do that, and I think that's probably put out by some guy who sells birdseed, but <laughs> I'm not one of them. But basically, <laughs> we're the second choice. We're like, yeah. you know, when you get up on Sunday morning and you go to some place for breakfast and there's mm-hmm. a long line, you end up going to some other place where the coffee's always cold and the toast is burnt. Well, we're that. <laughs> we're, the, we're the plan B. We're the second choice. Our feed is birds would rather eat naturally, and when there's a short of, nat- of natural food, they're happy to come to our yard. But when there's an abundance of natural food, they'd rather stay away. And as a result, a lot of folks aren't getting as many birds to their feeders. Certainly, I'm not getting as much business. And um, I got birdseed dealers calling me up saying, no one's buying birdseed, what's going on? Like, I have some kind of control over the whole thing. But basically, we have to sit tight when the cold weather hits and we get some nasty weather and the natural food uh, starts to dry up a little bit. So I'll be back. But in the meantime... You know, just uh, don't change your food. Don't go out and buy something. Don't blame the guy you buy the bird steam from, certainly. Um, but just make sure this food stays fresh and dry and it's ready for them when the birds are there. And they'll be back. They better be or I'll have to get a job. <laughs> All right, where is that coffee shop with the cold coffee and the dry toast? We're going to make sure we don't go there. Well, you Talk to you next week, Greg. All right, you'll tell us next week. That's Mike yeah. O'Connor down there at the legendary Birdwatchers General Store on Cape Cod with more good advice on uh, how to deal with uh, your backyard birds or, or not backyard birds. Well, I'm happy to say that we have callers on the line here from Glastonbury, Connecticut, and Mason, Texas, and Tucson, Arizona. Uh, we have to go to our first caller here, and that, well, we're happy to, and that would be Elizabeth uh, in Glastonbury, Connecticut, on the Mystery Bird uh, Contest. But first, we'll kind of play this <laughs> sound of the bird again. There's the female kind of barking. And there's the male cooing for the female. Our mystery bird is a large, ground-dwelling, chicken-like bird of the desert southwest. Actually, a cuckoo relative. It feeds on snakes and scorpions and any other small animal it can get a hold of. Our bird has a long tail and a shaggy crest. And that call you just heard. That is our mystery bird. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. And uh, I think, is, is that a mystery bird we're hearing? Or what is that? We hear something, but uh, we're going to try to hear Elizabeth. In Glast- uh, yes, hi, good morning. <laughs> in Glastonbury, Connecticut. Hi, Elizabeth. Hello. How's it going there in Glastonbury, which is, uh, whereabouts exactly is Glastonbury? It's like the center of Connecticut. Kind of right yeah. in the middle, right in the middle there? Yeah, yeah, by the river, Connecticut River, yeah. All right. Well, that's a great birding place, too, the Connecticut River, for sure. Definitely is. <laughs> well, you're not anywhere near the southwest, even though you're in the you know the center of your state, but that's pretty pretty far east. But um, maybe you know what this mystery bird is uh, just the same. Elizabeth, what are you saying? Um, we're going to give the guess for a greater roadrunner. All right. I thought you were just going to say roadrunner. Yeah. you got... <laughs> One of the alternate calls of the Greater Roadrunner. The most familiar call of all. Meep, meep. Nice job, uh, Nice job there, Elizabeth. Thank you, thank you. You're, you're absolutely right. And if you'll be kind enough to stay on the line, we'll um, get your address and we'll send you not only that uh, Droll Yankees bottoms-up finch feeder, but also a five-pound bag of Audubon Park no-waste wild bird food. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. You're welcome. Thank you, Elizabeth. Elizabeth there in Glastonbury, Connecticut, correctly identifying the greater roadrunner as our mystery bird. How fast can the roadrunner run, you probably are asking yourself. They tell us close to 20 miles an hour 
that's pretty fast for a, a that's a pretty small bird if you you see pictures of them they look really big but they're not very big and they can run really fast what else about greater roadrunners would you would you like to know they have salt glands in front of their eyes so they can excrete salt from their blood similar to what uh, some ocean going birds do it can even get along without any drinking water if it eats food with high enough water content which no doubt it uh, you know makes it its business to do hey we are out of time for our show today thank you so much for being with us if you ever thought about being a Talking Birds ambassador, we hope you'll do so. It's easy to do and kind of fun, and people tell us they like doing it, handing out some of our cards. Just go to our website, TalkingBirds.com, and then the Contact button, and choose the Become an Ambassador option, and then we would kind of take care of the rest. And thank you uh, for doing that. And thanks to Mark Duffield and Debbie Bleacher and our engineer, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. Here's a quick reminder before we go. Don't forget to get big savings for the holidays on great-tasting Birds and Beans Coffee, the only coffee brand in the U.S. that uses only 100% shade-grown, organic, fair-trade, Smithsonian bird-friendly certified beans. Help the birds, family farmers and their workers, and the earth we all share. Buy online at birdsandbeans.com today. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.